0: Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell.
1: hello and welcome to reinventing nerds today's guest is elisa Yu, and she has a story that's going to be a little bit different from what we've heard before she is a what we call an action coach of santa clara that's her position there but she's had a nice history of working from biochemical engineering to being an entrepreneur and having her own startup company to then moving into business coaching, so I'd love to talk to Elisa about her experiences and her people strategies. So let's bring her on board. Welcome, Elisa. Uh, hi, Josie. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so glad you could make it today and uh, be able to talk to our viewers and listeners about your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. Ah, our pleasure. Well, we shall see. So let's let's start out with you telling us a little bit about First of all, you move from biochemical engineering into sales support, and then you went to a startup so what's what's this all about?
0: Uh, yeah, so I graduated as a chemical uh, biochemical engineer, and then I started working in a pharmaceutical company as um, most biochemical engineers do doing process development work, um, growing cells and harvesting proteins. Um, i love the work and i actually pro- progressed from an engineer up to a supervisor and all that so it was it's doing great but um deep inside i think i'm not that satisfied and um so i did some soul searching and i realized what is missing is that i'm not interacting with people as much as i would like to so um I, I love the cells and the virus and the bacteria and all that and the proteins, of course. But I can't see that for that I'm doing that type of work for the rest of my life. So I say, okay, what can I do with a chemical engineering background, but um, do a bit more, uh, do it, get into a job that actually have more human interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look through and I say, oh few application scientists sounds like a good uh, sidestep into that arena so I um, made my way over to few application scientists and uh, through that I actually uh, start to help other scientists to uh, to to give them a solution to um, to get their work done better and all that so i Still use my chemical engineering background, but at the same time, I have that human interaction that I'm really looking for. So I'm very satisfied. Um, then, then from then, um, actually one of my colleagues called me up one day and said, Hey, Elisa, you know what? I'm starting my own company. You want to come on board and join me? And, uh, you know, being in the Silicon Valley, that's, um, that's one thing that you sort of, don't just say no, You know <laughs> whether you can be successful or not, it's a different story, right? But the, just the chance of you starting something brand new. Um, and I was young at the time, I was like 30 something, I just got married and my husband have a good job and I'm like, you know what, why not? I'll just go on for a ride. Uh, so yeah, that's how. that's really how I just, jump in and started um my own company with with a couple partners you know that it wasn't like i planned it out for 5 years or something it, it was it was quite it was just an opportunity i wasn't willing to give up
1: okay you just gave us like the prologue to our episode now because the question i'm just dying to ask you is okay what challenges did you run into? I've mean, been You said, Yeah, sure, let's just go for it. Do a startup. I mean, it must have been really different. And of course we're focusing on people strategies here. What kind of things came up with you in, in that regard? Uh,
0: yeah, no, you know, as as you know that I, I started because it was an opportunity, it was too uh, too good too good to pass on, right? So um I wasn't prepared to to really go into a startup and understand how to run a startup, and of course, uh, when you say people challenges, there are, uh, there are actually two main ones. One is dealing with your co-founders. Um, interaction between your co-founders um, is is one of one of the two biggest people challenges. Then the second one is of course dealing with employees. Um, so those are the two main challenges, and I, I can give you a little bit about both if you want.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, please. I'm sure our yes. listeners would be happy to hear about this, because I know there are other Silicon Valley engineers who are like, hmm, startup.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, I, as I said, we have three co-founders, and, uh, one of them is, is my colleague, mm-hmm. which I know quite well. Uh, the other one, I don't know him quite well, but uh, we're we still we didn't see any problems. So we figured that it's a startup. We just go in and put in work. But um, I think the main challenge is that we all have different uh, personalities, and we all look at things differently. When uh, when we were in a company, me and my coworker. Um, we're under a pretty well-defined structure now that we're in a startup. Um, just the, the uh, you know, just the dynamics of who should listen to who, and if there's uh, different you know, opinions, how do we handle it? Um, and that is a huge challenge. And we work through it. Um, there are lots of arguments. There's uh, lots of. You, basically, you learn on the way when to insist and when to give in, uh, when to cooperate, and when to sort of say, "Well, no, I'm I'm standing my ground." Right. So, that's that's what I learned along the way, um, and I think the most important thing that actually bind uh, us together uh, at the end and make my startup success make our startup successful. Um, was that throughout the process we built a level of trust that basically knowing that we could have arguments we could have disagreements but we're still um, working towards the same common goal and we're not going to screw each other you know so that's yeah. that's the trust that you built and because of that we were able to overcome the differences and and of course as the company grow we then start to have more of a structure so with the a, with a more a bit more defined organizational structure then um, you know that challenge become uh, less of it because we, we know that there is one CEO and that CEO we, we're gonna have to listen to him if we disagree then we disagree but that's the ultimate decision maker right so um, we were able to do to make most decisions by consensus, but uh, in the rare occasion when it does happen uh, infrastructure does help to say okay well listen to him because he is he calls a shot he is, he' is ultimately the uh, the CEO of the company so uh, that that's how we uh, that's how we solve that uh, challenge in people challenge. The employees is quite another um, challenge on its own because we're a small company and, you know, most people like to work with bigger companies because, because of, you know, uh, more colleagues, because of higher, better advancement and all that. So being able to recruit talent is one thing and um, also being able to give them a path or career path is, uh, another challenge, right? So, uh, we are, a, a biotech service company startup. So it's quite different from a, uh, technology startup in the sense that we don't have a very clear, uh, roadmap to say going IPO. We wanted to eventually exit by selling, right? So going IPO is, is not, um, is, it's not our ultimate goal, Mm -hmm. but then at the same time, uh, because of that, we don't know how to structure the employee uh, uh, stock plan so that we can incentivize them. So um, retention of people, and I think that's a huge challenge for us, Um, and I, you know, i I think you know speaking from me personally and i I know that it's true for my uh, for my co founder as well it's really the 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 thought about self worth right my, we always say we're a small company, we can't compete with the bigger one for talents. oh we can't do this right when you say you cannot, you cannot, you cannot guess what you're that's a self fulfilling prophecy which is it, it, from the beginning we, we just kind of set ourselves up to say that, oh forget about the, t- uh, the most talented people, we're not gonna be able to get them because we're not good enough. So mm-hmm. I think uh, when we start to change is when we start to say, no, we're good enough. There are people who like to work for a small company. We have values that we can provide to our employees. So I think that mindset, Change actually shift the way we handle our um, people challenge is that we believe in ourselves, we believe in the company, we believe that the company will provide our employees with a career path that they're looking for. And once we have that shift, we actually um, you know solve most of our you know people challenge along the way because our employees that we recruit are more uh, loyal they're more they have they agree with our vision they have the they have the drive to be successful so it's it's i think the uh, what we realize over the years is really your mindset first you know then you you would know how to deal with other uh, your employees or other people in the company
1: well i think that's really interesting so what you're saying here is that as a startup, you had to realize the value that you provide to your employees uh, to attract good people to, to work with you. And it took a little mm-hmm. while to, yeah, because you're just starting out saying, well, you know, we're not, you know, uh, Google or Facebook or something, but uh, we have a lot of value. And just like you wanted to jump in, into this startup, uh, others want that experience too. So... You know, once you got this way of motivating them, I know you've told me in the past that hiring the right people is really important. And, you know, when you're talking about um, hiring people who who have good people skills, what do you look for?
0: Um, yeah, so hiring people is, uh, is important. And hiring for good fit, is is very important uh to me so uh what i mean by that is um some, you have we have uh three co-founders and then when we grow we actually the one drop out so we have two co-founders very different personalities when we hire people first of all we hire for good fit meaning that they would understand the personality and be able to um be able to work with it Right. So, um, and also we hire people who are uh, self-motivating. Um, and so, hiring the right people—what I mean is, there, you know, just by hiring the smartest person might not be the best for the team, because sometimes you you have a team of all ultra-smart people, but it's a very dysfunctional team because. Um everyone personality crashes. They don't have a very they don't have a unified vision. Um mm-hmm. and and all that. So it might not be the best for uh the team to have um people that sort of all fit into one mold. So hiring right, what we what we learned uh as our startup and now that I'm coaching, then that's what I'm uh coaching my client is to understand your current dynamics and hiring people who can plug into that dynamics with a bit of uh, complement outside of your, your zone so you can grow, but at the same time, they can plug into that dynamics and be functional. So that's what I meant by hiring right. You want to hire people who come in and not completely upset the dynamics. You do want them to be an extension of the dynamics so your comfort zone grow, bigger and bigger as your company grow, but it, that person cannot be all the way out in the left field and expect things to, to, to just work themselves out. You know, that, that's what, that's what i found is, is very critical. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you talked uh, for a minute here about how you went from being an entrepreneur and having this company to then becoming a business coach. So tell us about that transition and what
0: you do now okay yeah so um i we grew we uh, started the company we grew the company and eventually sold the company so uh, it was a successful exit and after that um i was um i was thinking what to do with my life because i was still young Um, Mm -hmm. um, and also my husband basically told me that you really should go out there and do something so that you don't drive me nuts and you don't drive the kids nuts you know so, so <laughs> I think about finding something to do and so uh, I started in consulting as a as a uh, management consultant and I go help uh, a couple of companies to grow their business um, and I really enjoyed it uh, but what I figured is uh, every time as me as a, a person going into a company and help their operations I tied up about two years of my time and I wanted to be able to help more companies uh, in in my lifetime, so um, I Start to explore other ways and coaching business coaching in particular came as a, um, a very good um, Alternatives. So I, I uh, start to get all the uh, certification down, done and a certified business coach and all that. Then I started to uh, do business coaching where I can actually uh, help multiple company at a time and make a big, for me, making a bigger impact does mean something. So in this um, capacity, I'm making bigger impact um, on on the people and the business around me.
1: So what did you have to develop within yourself in terms of the people skills to go from, uh, you know, startup le- uh, co-founder to business coach?
0: I think the, the biggest challenge that I have to overcome is to, um, rely, is to let go of what I am capable now trying to, uh, bring other people up to make mm-hmm. them To enable them to do their job Uh, in a startup, it's a it's a fast, it's a it's a uh, go 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 uh, environment, right? So you go in, you just kind of do this, do this, do this, do this, and you 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 execute a lot of things on your own. When you're a uh, when even when I was a consultant, um, my my definition of consultant is I actually go into a company and be there. you know, be on their C-level team and help them grow the business it's still execution 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 being a coach you sort of take the um, take the coaching role right like, like a coach uh, in an athlete uh, like, like a football coach or a basketball coach you're on the sideline you're trying to coach the people who are actually doing the work uh, to improve so um, i think uh, a whole lot of different skills needs to be honed in uh, for me at least you know listening patient and also uh you know trying to have different way to approach uh to motivate people i think that that is the um, the ultimate um, this uh, people skill that i have to improve on in order for me to be a a good business coach
1: yeah, I love what you said, Lisa, about sort of taking yourself out of it. I mean, I'm sort of re- rephrasing this, um, yeah. taking it away from you and putting it on them because, yeah, as a coach, it really is about the other people. And I mean, the best coaches will kind of disappear in the mist, you know, while they're out there succeeding, right? And on their own and consulting similarly, right? The idea is to empower them to be able to do it. And, you know, I also heard of it's about listening and motivating them which is helping them come up with solutions that they can do and if you're just coaching you're not going to do the work for them as yes. you previously you're going to help guide them so that they can figure out how to do it on their own yeah very different I mean that's also just you know being a good leader on a team as well being able to I mean unless you want your people to keep coming to you to do the work for them all the time <laughs> i'm doing that right that you know especially we hear about this with i don't know some of the, the generational differences coming in people like just keep coming back and asking for the answers and you're like no i'm going to come to me and i'll give you questions right uh yeah. to figure it out so um yes. sounds like that, that's something that yeah definitely it's hard when you've been the one who's who knows how to do it to then step back mm-hmm. i mean how was that for you or are you still struggling with
0: that uh, I am actually honestly i'm still struggling with that from time to time <laughs> and, and you know, so i I'm getting better over the years because I've been coaching for the past five years yeah. um, but it yeah it is it is uh, hard sometimes right especially when you when my clients i don't think they're moving as fast as i um, I see they could. Right? And, uh, I would get into that mode and say, why, why aren't you doing this? What, what is, uh, what is, uh, stopping you from doing this? Or sometimes I would say, hey, you know what? Can you just trust me and just do this? and Just do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, but that, that, that's usually, is not very effective. You know, then you, uh, um, you dial back and say, okay, well, let's see what is it, where they are at now. And, what could we do to move from where they are a, a baby step forward mm-hmm. and um and then a baby step forward yet another time until they get to the mm-hmm. the point that they can run for themselves right? so that is that is um uh, yeah that is a big adjustment for for me as a coach from mm-hmm. from where I was as an entrepreneur.
1: Right. And, you know, I hear this a lot with leaders, too, about the control factor, just, you know, having to let go of control, because uh, you're used to being able to be in control and get things done. And all of a sudden, when you're empowering others, you know, or, or is, uh, you know, as a leader, you're trying to empower your team, but as a coach, you're trying to, you know, just sort of be a support person for, for the person to empower them. So, um, yeah, that can be uh, a delicate one, which requires a lot of learning, and I think you know you're talking about introspection as well, figuring out what you have to let go of within yourself um, right that help others, yeah, uh, right. certain level of maturity there,
0: I would yeah, say no definitely, so you know um my I coach my clients to know how to delegate right yes but not abrogate from from tasks right so mm-hmm. um that is that is uh, uh what I see most of the business owners' challenge is able to know how much to delegate and okay. how much to leave for themselves right and but sometimes um, I, I think being able to um, try to enable your employees that's that's quite another uh that that's that's the next level so you first learn to delegate. Then you learn to enable others, um, and that is more of a coaching role. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I see this, right? You, so you have, you have the leader who is, who is the executor, um, when that person grow to, to an extent that they need to delegate, right? But then the next step for the, uh, for that leader to do is to be able to, f- uh, go one step further, which is to be able to coach their, uh, their, subordinates to grow them up to be leaders so yeah that's that's a yeah that's a different level I, w- I would say that's the next step the first step is right. uh, delegation the second step is uh, coaching uh, others to be leaders
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when you teach people to delegate or make those decisions you know what kind of things uh, do you help people with in terms of how to delegate and how to make sure that people are accountable, you know, in terms of those people's skills, because so that can be a challenge. You're like, oh yeah, you give someone a project, then you just sort of say they didn't finish it, and you're like, well, what kind
0: of structure do you build in to make sure? So, what advice do you have for that? Um, actually, my my advice to all of my clients who are uh, having issue with delegation is taking baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. As, as me as a few application uh, scientist, this is actually what I learned in terms of um, teaching others any new skill, uh, and leaders have to understand that delegation. Once you delegate something to other people, you're you're getting them to learn a new skill, um, not the task, but a new skill of being responsible and and knowing what is what is right and what is wrong. So, um, with that, I always tell them, say, hey, when you're training someone. Um, the most effective way of training is a very simple three-step training. You do it uh, when they're watching. You watch and they do it, um, and you let them do it on your own and on their own, and you check the result. Right. So that's that's three steps, and you cannot skip. Right. So if you want to teach anybody how uh, a new skill. That's, that's a, you have to handhold them till all these three steps are done and they master them. So that's, that's what I say about delegation. I say if you want, really truly want to delegate something to others and make sure that they do well when you're not doing it, you have to follow these three steps and make sure that they graduate from each, each step before you move on. And so right. that's, that's, that's the key.
1: Oh, that's great advice. I mean, just stepwise, it's systematic too, and realizing that um you know people take a little time to learn new skills, and I love the way you turn this into the skill as responsibility. It's not the specific task of doing, it's actually learning to be able to be responsible. I'm gonna remember that at home too
0: with <laughs> my kids able to uh, to to take the outcome uh, as your own, right so- yeah responsible for the outcome not just like i did the task oh it didn't work out it didn't work it's not my problem no it's you have to be responsible for the outcome and that's that's true training that's uh true delegation mm-hmm. the person now owns the outcome yeah
1: yeah on that's that's a true people skill right there yeah. is teaching people to own their own outcomes yeah and uh, that right there will um, prevent so many other people's challenges <laughs> right when you get people who are accountable and responsible. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, let me ask you one other question here because, you, you know, we talk about the engineers and the technical people. I mean, you have sort of had a foot in both worlds because you also have an MBA. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to see – you know- from both sides, you know people always think of business people as being different from engineers and and vice versa. you know what differences do you see, and how have you had uh managed to to bridge them
0: um yeah, in terms of um differences between business people and engineers, I actually don't see that as a huge difference um in engineering right uh if you're talking about uh, Actual basic science i can 't say much because i 'm not a scientist per se, but in engineering we're taught, we we were taught taught engineering economics right? so it, whatever you design, you want to be efficient, whatever you do, you want to make sure that there is a, a positive uh, return on your on your investment right? you want to increase that efficiency, and I think in business it 's the same thing any business decision is mainly just uh, ROI-based, return on investment-based calculation, right? Um, the only difference I see is engineering, you're trying to optimize the system, the heart system. I, when I was a biochemical engineer, optimizing the reactor running condition, optimizing protein production efficiency, and all that, It's it's actually on objects right on on hard systems however in business quite a lot of time there could be on hard system but it's more on human performance or uh, teamwork you know, as they uh, term it right so it's mainly an optimization on on human uh, performance and the, the way you do it is you, you don't have a formula you don't have a you don't have a hardcore formula that you can follow or you have a code that you can put in and the system will just work. Um, you, it's a lot more dynamics because you're dealing with, dealing with human beings and their motivation. Um, however, the principle is the same is whenever you put in, um, the, 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 the basic principle for engineering is, uh, you put in one unit of work, you hope to produce more than one unit of work. And that's when the engineering system works. Um, In business, you put in a dollar, you hopefully you you will get more than a dollar back. That's a that's a good business system. So the basic principle is the same. The only difference is uh, one is purely optimizing a system, the other is optimizing a system plus optimizing human performance. Uh, That that's how I see it. And MBA, they give you quite a bit of hard tools on how to optimize the um, management system. Um, however, I think a true um, leader in business need to know the human factor, which MBA uh, curriculum do teach you a, a little bit, but it's more, I, I think you, you actually need to to do it, to understand it.
1: Right. I think that's fabulous. Alisa, because, uh, you know, so often people have these different, and I think they're t- speaking different languages, but you just put it right there in the same language for business people and, and engineers. We're all talking about the th- same thing. It's a return on your investment. Yes. And so when you're trying to have those interactions, you know, you're talking to, uh, let's say we're, we're talking to um investors or we're talking to salespeople, or you know the ceo of the company we can all talk about we're trying to improve efficiency we're having a return and whether it's dollars or human uh you know efficiencies or input things like that it's it's really is the same thing so you know you've given us some great tips today and and these people strategies and your story i think is really good because people are looking to make changes in their careers. So listening to how you've adapted through yours, I think is really useful for our listeners. So I'm going to have to wrap it up because we've got a running out of time here, Lisa, but thank you for being a guest on reinventing yours today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Do you have some contact info you'd like to share with our
0: listeners and viewers? Um, yeah, uh, I think people, if they wanted to talk more and all that, they can reach me by my email, which is elisa, E-L-I-S-A, at actioncoach, S-C, Um And, uh, you know, just feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, I usually uh, get back to people within 24 hours if I'm not traveling. And uh, I love to talk more. Uh, I've been through that road I know that there are some sometimes there, you, there are some hard decisions to make but um, but it, it's a it's a very um, thrill ride and I, I'm glad that I I got on the ride you know and uh, I, I really hope that more people would uh, step out of their comfort zone and I think taking that first step is critical
1: well thank you Alisa So there you got her information and it'll be in the show notes as well. So if you didn't catch it, I'll have it all uh, on the website, reinventingnerds.com. And so to our listeners and our viewers, thank you for being here today. And don't forget to subscribe to the uh, podcast and rate and review it so we can get more great guests. So thanks a lot. Have a good one.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.